For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday morning, and uh, I'll see if I take the opportunity to talk about the Summum Bonum once a week, as per Mishpachas Savansky, going through the different uh, opinions out there, what's coming at the end. Uh, and I'm trying to go in, as I said before, in chronological order. And last time I did Shlombim Gaviro, which was very interesting for introducing the philosophical note, which we'll see more um, prominently uh, described in uh, Maimonides. But if you go in order, after Ibn Gaviro comes to Kuzri, as far as I know, uh, because Yehuda Levi, uh, you know, lived, let's put it this way, he died around the time the Rambam was born. And um, the most famous exposition of his thought is the Kusari, in which, as you know, he's putting in, in the form of a dialogue, as we all know, between a rabbi on the one hand, a chavar, and the king of the Goyim, the king of the Khazars on the other. Now, um, the as far as the summum bonum is concerned, in other words, what happens after death and so forth, very interestingly, and this is a famous sheet, it's, it's one of the ways of approaching the subject. It's not necessarily the way, you know, the philosophers are interested in, perhaps. And that is, you know, more or less, what do you look forward to at the end of the road? Where's your schar? So one way is to say, as Ibn Gabiro does in the Rambam also and others, which is it's Olam Haba in the sense that it's not the world you and I inhabit at the moment physically. Whatever good stuff happens will take place in another type of reality. And that is, as they say, a classic philosophical mode because it deals with the metaphysics, right? A reality in which it is real, but in the other words, it's not subject to time and space. And if you can't understand it, at least that's an honest statement. You can't understand it. That, that No problem. You know, that's okay. You can't understand it. But on the other hand, there's also a very strong tradition within Judaism. There are different schools of thought out there. We don't have a church and we don't have a doctrine exactly, which is exactly why I'm doing this podcast at pun request to show the different opinions that have been within Judaism. And another one is more Olamahazet oriented, and that is the one that's presented, as far as I can think, in the Kuzri of Yehuda Levi. Uh, the uh, book is originally written in Arabic, Judeo-Arabic, and I have in front of me right now six or seven uh, volumes or more that I've accumulated over the years of different translations uh, from the Arabic. There's a good old Ibn Tibbin, and there's Yehuda Ibn Shmuel, and there's this guy and that guy. Uh, Yitzhak Shilad has an interesting uh, translation, but it's roughly the same thing. You know, Kapach, it's roughly the same business. Uh, so me, myself, and I always find personally the best kuzri to use, in my personal opinion, it's my taste, is this uh, paraphrase. It's not a translation, but it's a pretty good translation in modern yeshiva Hebrew, I guess you'd say. And that's from uh, uh, the the Kuzri from Mordechai Genizi, um, whoever he was in Yerushalayim, somebody. And it's really, it's very nice because um, on the one side, the, everything's on two pages. One side is the Ibn Tibbet old-fashioned Hebrew translation. It's very wooden. And on the other side is the modern Hebrew, not Ivrit, you know, from Hebrew, let's put it this way, Shiva Hebrew translation. Um, from this Mordechai Ganesi, and it's Manuka too, so you can't get better than that as far as I'm concerned.
is fun. And that's the one I use, although I also have the English one here from Rabbi Karabkin, which is pretty good, you know, whatever. He, he does it straight out of the uh, Ibn Tibbin. There is one also, a golden oldie, which I thought was terrible, from Hartwig Hirschfeld back in the 1800s. That's the one in my generation grew up with, if you want to see the Kuzri in English, but it was eh, old-fashioned English and everything. Uh, this the, the Karabkin is much uh, more appealing. So let's see. I'm holding in front of me Genesian, the one hand, Karabka, and the other, let's see what we come up with. As far as I know, the passage where they discuss this, I haven't concentrated the whole book over lately, I have to say, is um, uh, the one in which the king asks him a question, which is a famous question that everybody has to deal with, including the Rambam. And that is, if the schar is, schar known as the schar is, in the Ruchniistic way, how come it's never discussed that way in the Chumash? The opposite. In the Chumash, everything is presented in a very Gashmistic way. Right? And so forth. Right? In other words, it looks like a tit for tat. You keep the Torah, you'll get rich. You'll get healthy. You'll be successful farming and things of that nature. Why don't they say, you'll be Zuchna Ruchnias? And this, and that, and the other, uh, the kind of language you find in Chazal. That's a famous question. So, um, in the course, you know, as you, I think you know, more or less, the Kuzri is presented in the form of dialogue, like Plato's dialogues. And basically, the king keeps throwing these questions at him. Of course, the author wrote the whole thing. And the rabbi always hits a home run because, you know, the whole game is rigged, obviously. If from guy wrote the book. And he's talking, going through the Chumash, more or less. And in the first part, around paragraph uh, 100, 105, and that area is. Uh, so I want to get to the part that's no gay to us. Um, and that is where the king says, in Kuf Dalad, this is the guy talking. So I'm reading you from the good translation. You know, the other religions, like Christianity and Islam, offer bigger schar than you do. Notice, he's a guy, he, he's looking at, 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 at the New Testament, he's looking at the Quran, and they promise paradise. Okay? Paradise. Uh, in the Chumash, there's no question about it. In the Chumash, there's no paradise. It's, it's you're right here in Israel, but you're, 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 you're will prosper. So in other words, you're successful like today a business person. Uh, how come? The other religions have more to, why should I be interested in Judaism? Judaism, you know, doesn't offer as much as, as the other religions. You know? You don't get 72 versions and so forth. So the rabbi answers, The other religions simply speak in terms of pie in the sky, what happens after your death, which is not empirically verifiable. They don't promise you anything in this world. So there's no way to know whether what they're promising is true. So the guy says, the king, he says, that's a good point. i never seen anybody. I don't see any of them uh, 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 looking to die and gain paradise right away, which means deep down they're skeptical. Now this is a tricky question because 
the Khuzri was not living today, in which you do have suicide bombers, do you not? So those guys are willing to blow themselves up in order to go to Olam Haba as they see it. Of course, the answer is, the people that sent them don't do that. They're the dummies. The manipulators and the Hamas and the ISIS and all these other groups, they'll tell you, you should go to Paradise, but they don't want to go to it. If it's such a good idea, why doesn't the head guy do it? But that's a thousand, a thousand years ago, they didn't talk like this. And then the king says, um, so, the rabbi says, What about the people who experience Nebuah? Right? In other words, you don't see people uh, running to uh, gain paradise. Uh, they still want to live as long as they can in this world. So the rabbi said, What about those people who experienced, by their own words, uh, a, a transcendent life, you know, they already saw Nevoa, things like that. So the king says, If somebody did experience it, the way some leading Christian Muslims say they did, then they would definitely want that existence. In other words, if you ever experienced uh, a different type of life, uh, a higher uh, sense of being, uh, then you want to stay there. Okay? And indeed, you would then yearn to die to get rid of the goof and just hold out by that Ruchnistika situation. Um, which is interesting because we do believe in Judaism that if you get, you know, David says, Once you gave me the Ruch HaKodesh, don't take it away because it's like getting off of uh, heroin real fast. You know, you'll crash, you see. So, um, so then the rabbi says like this, um, it is true, we believe in Judaism, that the schar you get, the Torah promised, is an Olam Haba, right? But it's also an Olam Hazer. Is it? You hear that? So knows the Jewish religion, certainly in the biblical level, which is meant for everybody, um, it's focused on Olam HaZeh, meaning we look forward in reward for keeping mitzvahs, etc., etc., to a better situation in Olam HaZeh. Okay? Haftoche, what, what do we mean? So here Yehuda Levi paints this picture of a Mary Poppins world, of a perfect world. What we yearn for is to be around when things change in Olam HaZeh. To be as alive as I am and you are right now, but to hit Nevu and Ruch HaKodesh. See, you and I don't think in these terms. You know, we figure we're living in the year 2022, 2023. All right. Uh, we're never going to be super. My life is so constituted. Your life is so constituted. None of us are going to ever be God Hador, literally. None of us are going to be Navi. That's beyond, beyond, right? None of us are ever going to get Mamash Ruch HaKodesh the way they used to. So our expectations are very low. So we think totally in terms of, so what am I gaining from Davini Mincha once I'm gone and I'll be in the Olam HaNashamas? What kind of sky do I get there? I don't look forward in any real practical way to Schar and Olam Hazen in the terms of the higher Ruch Nistika levels, but I should. That's his point. Havtachahi sheniska levu Ruch HaKodesh we really pray that we should be Zocheb to a time of Nuhu and Ruch HaKodesh, meaning me, me, myself, and I, Tavikaz. 
you get this divine shefa, and therefore my Olam Hazeh experience that I'm speaking to right now, this podcast will be transformed, and so will yours, the listener, you'll be transformed. That'll be a different level of existence, and we'll see, uh, you know, great things happening. Now when he says covered, he means divinely inspired covered, not the stupid covered. Right? So in other words, what's the summum bonum? Well, maybe at the end of the line is something else. We're not talking about the end of the line. What comes before that? We really are supposed to pray and have in mind and yearn that, for example, to use plain English, the Mashiach should come tomorrow without getting into the details of the Messianic process. The whole business should be over in 15 minutes. You know, all the bad guys are being nuked or something like that. Whatever, it doesn't matter. And then we move to stage B. And stage B is, you and I are all going to move to Israel, something like that. And, you know, are you going to live the life of Riley? It's a different life. It's not a question, am I going to have three cars in Israel? You know, I'm going to have a house with six bathrooms. You know, that, that's not the point. Maybe that'll be, maybe not, you know, that's not the The point is, can I then be, you know, hit Nevuah, Ruch HaKodesh, Shef Elohi? That's what I'm supposed to be davening for. Now, we who are so materialistic, we say, eh, you know, can't take that to the bank. But he's saying, you're stupid because any kind of financial thing you're talking about pales in insignificance next to the kind of the, the transformed life in Olam Hazeh that is possible to us if we're lucky enough to make it to that point. And that's why he says, that's why the Torah didn't speak of next world. The Torah doesn't see, oh, you'll you'll hit paradise like the Muslim paradise, you know, Ganus of Pardesim, and so and you know it would be it'd be a, a divine Disneyland. Instead, the Torah said, "Attempt to you, vani elohim." You understand? Which is, you know, perhaps you'll recall the Sifri, Siframi, which says, in um, what do you call it? In How's it go? That's what he means. So I'll tell you again, we Americans, even Israelis, we were so materialized, so gosh stick that, you know, to us, we basically have bought into the Muslim paradise type idea. My man is song or some variation thereof. And he's saying, no, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a life. It'll have prosperity, but that won't be what you're mostly interested in. You see? Uh, you're interested in the promise is that there will be and there will be people here who will hit Nevoah, meaning if you want to know what paradise is like of, of the metaphysical world, you can be alive today, right now, and experience through Nevoah and others, you can experience the Olam Haba part. That's actually a very interesting idea because we always say like this, the Rambam is, you live here and then when you die, then the Neshama, you know, 
will get the the big reward, as we'll shall see. And Yehuda Levi said like this, you know, you're hooked on time. You can be here alive in this in this world, as I am at this moment speaking to you, but through Navua, if I could access it, which I can't, but we'll say I could, I can be in both places at the same time, even in terms of my mind, if you follow. I can I can experience the, uh, the Olam HaNeshamas, as he puts it over here, um, and you'll be able to, meaning through Nevuah. That is to say, that's a fancy way of saying you can enter the exist- uh, the uh, metaphysical and be aware of it and therefore be in both places at the same time, if I can use. Now, that's not the right word to use, but you know what I mean when I say it at the same time. Because in the Olam of Neshamas, there is no time, but you, you know what I mean. I'm here now and, and I'm also somewhere else. In, in terms of my uh, mental experience. He says, by Yecheskel, the prophet, the Chazal say he was called Ben Adam because he was always hanging around the Malachim, said he wanted to make sure he's not a, a Malach. Okay? And we'll have a Richas Yamim in this magical land, namely Israel. So, of course, um, what do you call it? Of course, there'll be physically Eretz Yisrael, but for him, the Eretz Yisrael will be the place where it's possible to hit this Nevoah-type level on various Madregas, and therefore what I want to do, even though I'm too dumb to realize I want to do it, but that's because I'm living in America in 2022, whatever, but Yudha Levi would say, if you weren't dumb, you'd realize that this is actually better than winning a billion dollars. Life in a future Israel, lotiv is. You know what I mean? In other words, in the supernatural sense. Meaning you are here, but it, but, but it won't be according to the re- rules of existence that, that we experience at this very moment. You'll see that whatever you do is directly connected to uh, how you act and how God responds to it in a way that's not true now, because now we have Tzadik Varolov Rosh Tovlo. So in other words, living in Israel will be one zone of experience. Those who live in Chutzlars will have a different type of experience. So in his way of thinking, Israel will be a bubble. Eretz Yisrael, whatever it'll be, it'll be a bubble. We'll be lucky enough to live in that bubble. We'll live one kind of life. The people who live outside of Israel will live a a derech a, hateva a, a, a type life, okay? And he says, So if we are lucky enough to make it to this new, you know, world type of existence, um, then the shechina will be here. We'll have a different type of cognition, and we'll be able to tell, we'll be able to discern the bracha, which is a shuri b'tiva adama. In other words, we'll have different types of glasses on and we'll be able to, to view reality in a different way. That's how we'll be successful in wars and you know, prosperity and things like that. So in other words, what what he's praying for, now the Torah says this according to the Kuzri, not me. He says, what he's praying for is um, to, live, to live now. Now, we should be lucky enough to, to survive, to live now. And then live this different type of, of, of physical existence in which you 
your discernment and your cognition was an altogether different state. Okay? This has nothing to do with what you, happens to you after you die. He's not talking about that. Okay? That, that's a separate discussion. When we call that native Hashem, and you'll see how everything runs directly with Chavis Hashem, and the other way around if you go against it. So, you know, let me put it this way. If I understand this correctly, just like I know right now, if I stick my hand in a flame, I'll get burned, so I don't stick my hand in a flame. So in the same way, I won't do an Aver at that time, because as soon as I say Lashonara, I'll get burned, so to speak, or, or something will happen. Therefore, that'll, that, that um, clarity of vision will help me, you know, uh, avoid the bad and, and embrace the good. Okay? So, in other words, uh, that's his, his main argument. And he gives his famous uh, mashal, as he puts it over here. Um, I'll read the mashal in English, because it's a little bit complicated, not too complicated, from the Karabkin translation. And he says, Imagine a, a group of kinsmen got stranded in the desert. One of them found his way to India. For some reason, you know, he's always talking about India as a faraway place. <clears throat> so again, a group of uh, kinsmen, group of Jews, got uh, stranded in the desert. I don't know why he said kinsmen. Chaburus Anoshim, toss of a midbar, got stranded in the desert. And one of them found his way to India. He was received, you know, I'll read it in, in Hebrew. I think the Hebrew is actually a little bit more accurate. Uh, I mean, the, the Genesi. A group of people got lost in the desert. One guy figured a way out. One guy from the group. So they all got lost in different directions, something like that. One guy made it eventually to India. That's how he survived. The king of India gave him a lot of honor. Because he recognized that this guy was descended from people who had been allies of the Indian kings in the past. And he gave him all kind of nice presents. And he said, take these presents back to your friends who were lost in the desert. He gave him nice clothes. He sent them slaves to help out. So the uh, grateful guy made a covenant with the king to accept his malchus. But he gave orders of various types. And when he arrived back in the desert with all these precious gifts, and these Indian servants and all their, the guys were delighted that they are going to be a way out of their uh, predicament of the desert. And it didn't occur to them, didn't, it, 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 it didn't make any sense to them that the king of India would send them uh, people to, to go out to the desert. Uh, in other words, that we would be so lucky that not only would the king of India send us food, but he would send the servants to help us, guide us out of the desert. That's really nice of him. They gave, they accorded great honor to the shlichem of the king. They built him a palace. They put the, they put the Indian uh, uh, servants in that palace. And, and thanks to the guides that the, the king had provided, the king of India, they were able to get um, out of the desert and get to, to uh, India and, and greet the king. Right? And the truth of the matter is because these guides were experts in the path, so it turns out that it wasn't far away from them at all. They just had no idea about that. They 
they were thinking going in different routes, and it turns out the proper route to get out of the debt and to reach civilization was actually short, okay? Uh, and it turns out that uh, this discovery was all dependent on finding the right guides, which were the king of India's servants. Nobody in that situation said, why should we accept the Morris uh, HaMelech? You know, why should we accept the, 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 the sovereignty of this king? He's saving our life, okay? Um, as a matter of fact, the opposite. They want to get to see that king. And he goes on to explain that the Mashal, of course, is what happened to Klai Yisrael. The, the people stuck in the desert are Jewish people. The, the first guy made it to India was Moshe Rabbeinu. The other guys are the, Mala, are the Nevi'im. The, uh, the, the servants of the king are the Shechin and the Malachim. And the Big Dichamudas are the shine of Moshe's face. And so on and so forth. Um, and therefore, they saw that in, in, in direct way. Now, all this is nothing but a fancy way of getting to the point, which is what I'm making today, that um, what you really want to uh, uh, yearn for, daven for, doesn't have to be all the way at the end of the, of the tunnel. That may be coming. And for, I don't know why, but as far as I'm aware, in the Kuzari, he never discusses what's at the end of the tunnel. After death, and, you know, in the way the Gaonim do, which is what exactly... Is going to be when the Shemayim Bars come to an end. All he doesn't go into that. Uh, maybe you know it, maybe you didn't believe it. I, I don't know. But you don't have to focus on that. To, to the the world of the magical Eretz Yisrael that he's talking about. I say magic. In other words, a different altiv it, a different supernatural type of life, in which me, the one talking to you right now, and you, the one listening, could somehow either hit the level of Nevu'ah, when we were properly guided. Again, that's something that, lo'ol'al'dateinu. I mean, my parents were good people. I never thought, they never thought to be Nevi'im. Uh, I've had good Rebbeim and things like that, you know, a few. And they're not Navis, you see. It, we're, we're so out of that, that it doesn't even baba cheshbon. But on the other hand, the worshippers think, oh yes, okay, we're not going to be Nevi'im, but after death, if we were righteous or we did or we did our best, you know, what kind of super level are we going to hit? No, 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 says Yehuda Levi. Talk about the intermediate one, which would be quite remarkably different than we are now. Now, this halavai, as a result of me keeping mitzvahs or davening right or whatever you want to call it, I should get to the point where, yes, the Mashiach comes, that's true, and yes, the, we get the Arabs off our back, yes, that's true, but there's more to it than that, because that's what people are asking, like Stefanski. So, so what, 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 what's the point? If somebody's already well-to-do, living in America, living in Lakewood, living in the, a good place in the state of Israel, what do you need any more than that? Nobody's thinking about Nevua. Nobody's thinking about Ruch Kodesh. Nobody's thinking about a di- the different sort of life experience. I say again, life experience. Now, you'll be alive in this world, but it'll be a qualitatively different experience. Nobody thinks about that, because that's sort of beyond our assumptions. Instead, we skip over that and jump all the way to the end, which is what happens after I die, and what happens to my neshama and all the rest of it. I'm not saying that that's not important, but Yudha Levi says, think about the preceding period, which is what's life going to be like when you and I, if we're lucky, you and I, you know, get, for example, to Nevuah Ruch HaKodesh. Uh, it's not going to be that I'm the same me, Plus, I have one more Mila called Nevuah. Nevuah, if we get that, 
will transform the rest of me. And then, you know, a lot of these questions we have will be answered automatically because you'll be hooked on to a higher uh, reality, a higher zone of cognition. I just think that's a very interesting uh, approach, uh, uh, you know, to, to the whole question. And uh, just wanted to share that before we go on to the Rambam. So uh, without any further ado, I wish you all a good Shabbos. I want to thank, as always, Mishpachas Stefanski for being interested in his subject and sponsoring this. And uh, with that, I say goodbye. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.com support.rabbidavidkatz.com